are listening to the Issues on Appeal podcast, focusing on timely and timeless issues of appellate practice and professionalism. Here is your host, Dwayne Dyker. Thanks for joining me for Episode 53, Central Staff. This show is again sponsored by Court Surety Bond Agency, the nation's leading surety agency specializing in supersedious bonds. More about CSBA later in the show. In this episode, 2nd DCA Central Staff Attorney Austin Rowe and I will discuss the role of Central Staff Attorneys at the court. So, Austin Rowe, welcome to the Issues on Appeal podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the role of uh, central staff attorneys at the court. Now, let's start with a little bit about your background. How long have you been at the second DCA? Uh, I've been at the second DCA for eight years now. I started in 2013. I actually started the week after I graduated law school. Um, and then when I actually had a little bit of experience with the court while I was in law school, I was an intern for Judge Silberman in the summer of 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's great. So have you served any other roles at the court? Have you always been in central staff? Uh, actually, I started in central staff, but I went and spent a few years in uh, Chief Judge Kazam's suite. Um, so I started in central staff. I was hired by my predecessor, uh, Chris McAdams, and I was in central staff until the end of 2014 um, from uh, uh 2014 or really December 2013 until September 2017. Um, I was a staff attorney for Chief Judge Kazam, and uh, I've been through since, uh, central staff director uh, ever since then. And I, I wonder if people understand uh, just how many lawyers work at the court. Do you do you know off the top of your head uh, how many you know non-judge attorneys work at the second DCA? I, I do. So every uh, suite gets two. Uh, attorneys, so two attorneys per judge, 16 judges, that's going to give you 32 sweet attorneys, as we call them. Uh, and then for central staff, um, there are 10 other attorneys um, in addition to uh, myself, and we have three non-attorney staff and central staff. Wow. So that's, yeah, that's 42 attorneys. I bet uh, a lot of people would probably guess lower than that if, if you put them on the spot. Yeah, I, I think they would. I, I didn't... You know, I didn't even know that central staff existed before I had any exposure to the court, so I wouldn't fault them for uh, not doing that. But I think I think it's 43. On a prior episode, I talked to uh, Jared Krukar about the role of judicial staff attorneys that work in the suites uh, with the judges at the court. Uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, what do central staff attorneys do? So can you kind of give me an overview of what are the responsibilities of the central staff lawyers? Sure. Um, before that, I do want to say I listened to the episode Jared was on, and I'm pretty sure that he like pulled an inception or like a Jedi mind trick on you to have me on here um, because I was listening to it and he sort of like planted the idea in your head when you guys were talking about it. Um, to be fair, though, it doesn't take much, right? If you if you uh, if you give me an idea for a show, uh, I'll put it on my list and I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, so uh, central staff handles uh, just a wide variety of tasks at the court. Um, and a lot of this is listed, um, uh, might be listed in our IOPs, but um, we handle the summary post-conviction appeals. So those are going to be the uh, criminal defendants after they've been convicted and sentenced and they have had an appeal 
that's gone through um, any sort of post-conviction motion that they file that does not proceed to a hearing is going to be what we consider a summary post-conviction appeal. And central staff uh, handles the majority of those at the court. Sometimes they go on to the suites, um, just depending on, you know, case management needs. Uh, but for the most part, they're a central staff task. Um, we handle most of the original proceedings. So your petitions, petitions for writs of mandamus, prohibition, uh, habeas corpus, petitions alleging ineffective assistance of appellate counsel, uh, petitions for belated appeal. Uh, I've even seen, you know, petition for quo warranto or petition for all writs come in the door. Um, the one exception there is going to be that the petitions for writs of, uh, writ of cert that survive screening and uh, central staff uh, go on to be assigned to the suites. So for those, central staff screens those to make sure that the jurisdictional prong, uh, the jurisdictional prongs are met, and then if so, those certs go into a go on to the suites. Whereas the ones that are, you know. Clearly, there's no jurisdiction. Central staff will dispose of those. Yeah. Um, we also screen and handle the termination of parental rights appeals um, and the related dependency appeals there. Um, and, you know, we those appeals are expedited by statute and rule. So there's a lot of attention that goes into marshalling them around or marshalling them along and making sure that everything's in track, that we get the records on time, we get the briefs on time and that we're, you know, keeping really, really tight uh, deadlines on those cases to make sure that we're in uh, compliance with the rules that we need to be. And then once those cases are ready um, for assignment, um, you know, perfected with all the, all the brief, with the answer briefs in, um, then those are assigned to a central staff attorney to work upon the merits. Um, and then find uh, the other two things we handle. The motions in the unassigned cases are handled by central staff for the most part. Um, so, you know, your motions for extensions of time to supplement the record uh, and your criminal appeals and non-final appeals, uh, criminal and civil, are going to be handled by central staff. Um, once those cases have been assigned to a, a panel of judges, the 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 uh the suites are then responsible for any motions filed after assignment um and we also handle the emergencies so we screen and dispose of anything that comes in labeled as an emergency or that falls into an emergency as defined by our internal operating procedures um for example petitions for a prohibition are generally considered emergencies so those come back to central staff so it sounds like, I mean, not to overgeneralize it, but a lot of it is sort of gatekeeping and initial stage processing of cases. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say we have, you know, that's one part of our work. And then the other part would be like we work, we work up the merits of certain categories of cases as well. Of these five categories, does everybody who's in central staff work on all these things or do you guys uh, specialize and sort of subdivide the work into, I don't know if departments is the right word, but working groups? Uh, we try to specialize um, uh, for some of it, and some of it is broadly assigned. Um, for example, uh, you know, we generally will only have one attorney that handles the petitions for writ of mandamus at any given time. Um, but the summary, but for some types of cases that are just of such a volume or such a you know intensity of of work, um, those are more broadly assigned. So, like. Most central staff attorneys handle summary post-conviction appeals. Um, 
most attorneys and central staff are being assigned termination of parental rights appeals. But uh, for, you know, screening certain types of writs or handling the motions, those are assigned to a, a, a uh, either a single attorney or a smaller um, group of attorneys. Today's show is sponsored by Court Surety Bond Agency, the nation's leading surety agency specializing in supersedious bonds. If you have a client needing to stay enforcement of a judgment in Florida or any other state or federal court, contact CSBA. Chances are you don't deal with appellate bonds on a daily basis, but when you do, it's important and it's urgent. CSBA has an extensive collection of educational and reference materials on their website, including articles like, How Much Does an Appeal Bond Cost?, or Using Real Estate to Secure Appeal Bonds, and even has a state-by-state guide to appeal bond requirements. But if you still have questions or just want to talk to a knowledgeable appellate bond specialist, call CSBA at 877-810-5525. Their contact information is always in the show notes, but I suggest you take an opportunity right now to add their contact information to your own contact list so you're ready the next time your client needs a court bond. CSBA is a national agency that assists with court bonds all over the United States, but has extensive experience in Florida. In addition to being a longtime sponsor of this podcast, CSBA is a premier sponsor of the Florida Bar's appellate practice section. The next time your client needs a supersedious bond, please give Court Surety Bond Agency a call. These folks are experts in this area. They'll guide you and your client through the process, giving you one less thing to worry about. You know, as somebody uh, like me who does mostly civil and and commercial civil work, I don't, you know, fully appreciate, I guess, uh, what goes into the the summary post-conviction stuff and the the termination of parole rights. And I don't necessarily want to talk about that, but is that, it sounds like that's a fairly large workload of the court. Yeah. um, Anywhere up to 100 summary post-conviction appeals are filed in a given month. Uh, It varies a lot. Um, uh, And so... You know, there is a uh, a great need to, you know, keep up on those cases just to make sure that they're being processed. And then the um, the termination of parental rights appeals, like I said, they're expedited, you know, by rule and statute. And so those are uh, hit the ground running kind of cases. And so is it I mean, is it fair to say that only a small percentage of the post-conviction appeals actually get assigned to a to a judicial suite? Uh, we handle most of them. It just sort of depends um, on some case management uh, factors, um, you know, kind of what the workload is at the court is at any given time. But for the most part, the summary post-conviction p- appeals are a central staff, um, a f- central staff function. Now, I'm curious, like, um, as relates to original proceedings and, and um, extraordinary writs, sometimes, you know, I will be involved in a case where the petition gets filed and there's an order that comes back immediately raising a, you know, some sort of jurisdictional question that the court has that, that they want the petitioner to address. Is that something that, that comes, I've always wondered if that comes out of the clerk's office directly or if that comes out of, comes out of central staff. It sounds like maybe that's something that's coming from a central staff attorney. You know, those jurisdictional functions, you know, the, the clerk's office does do some jurisdictional screening and the central staff does as well in consultation with the judges. Okay. Yeah, that's sort of what I was going. In other words, there, there's some things that are so. What I meant by it's so obvious that that the court may have a jurisdictional problem that maybe it gets picked up in the clerk's office, 
but things that that require maybe more analysis uh, than sort of get a secondary screening by the by central staff. So our uh, as to jurisdiction is sort of um, I wouldn't say unique, but like uh, jurisdiction is just one of those things that is analyzed at every step of the way of the court, just because it's so you know fundamental to whether mm-hmm. we should you know what we should do with the case. So um, you know even after a case has survived the clerk's office or uh, screening or, you know, any sort of central staff involvement, it could still very well go back to a merits panel and the merits panel could still catch some sort of jurisdictional issue that they want addressed as well. So um, it's one of those things that everybody does. Yeah, no, I've definitely, I've definitely had that, had that happen. Uh, Like you say, it's one of those things can, can come up at any point, any time. I'm curious too, what is the volume of emergency filings at the second district? Is that something that, that happens with any regularity? Uh, yeah, it, it, we get them regularly. Um, I don't have any specific, uh, numbers, um, no. you know, for you, but you know, we, emergency filings, you know, you motion for review of a trial court's order, a stay order, a petition for a prohibition, anything that's just sort of labeled an emergency, you know, uh-huh. um, you know, those are a regular occurrence of the court. And it sounds like, so you have a supervisory role over uh, the central staff attorneys. Uh, Yeah. Central staff, uh, you know, the members of central staff report to me and then I report to the chief judge. Okay. So ultimately in the, in the court's uh, hierarchy, uh, the chief judge is the judge that that is technically responsible for supervising central staff. Uh, I'm responsible for supervising central staff. you know, I just report to the, you know, I just report to the chief, um, mm-hmm. you know, as, as needed, um, the, you know, but really central staff, we work for all the judges. I mean, that's the big distinguishing, uh, feature for central staff as to, uh, you know, a sweet attorney where, you know, a uh, sweet attorney, you know, they're always working with their judge. Whereas in central staff, you know, on any given case, we're working for, you know, one of the 16. I mean, that's kind of an interesting part of the job, I think, right. As you get to work with everybody. Yeah, it's um it's one of the more unique aspects of being in central staff. Um having done both um you know, it's just yeah, you get to you get to work with everybody at at one point. I know some of the judicial suite positions the uh there is sort of a rotating basis that they'll bring attorneys in for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um you know, maybe like two years I guess or two year rotation. Uh, do they do that with central staff or is central staff more career oriented as far as that goes? Um, we don't have any set terms for attorneys in central staff, um, but we have a very broad mix of attorneys. Um, we have attorneys who are, you know, board certified appellate practitioners. We have people that are fresh out of law school. We have people with, uh, public, you know, uh, public experience who, you know, worked for public defender's offices and we have people who have come from private practice. So we have, uh, you know, a very broad, uh, base of experience in central staff, but there's not any sort of, um, strict term requirement or anything. And I thought it was interesting that, uh, that you've done both roles. Is that, uh, is that common? Do people move back and forth between, uh, central staff and judicial staff or is that, uh, uncommon? Uh, there's some movement both ways. Um, I, you know, being in central staff is a great way to get to know all of the judges. And so it's not uncommon, um, for a judge to, you know, have a vacancy, Uh, and if someone in central staff is, you know, is interested or they have someone in mind, um, 
you know, it's someone who they've, you know, maybe they've already worked with or maybe someone whose work product they like. So it's sort of a natural thing. Um, But it kind of goes both ways too. You know, if a judge retires and central staff has an opening, someone who has court experience um, and has been at the court is probably going to be a good fit for central staff. No, that makes a lot of sense. The the, the attorneys are are known quantity. So (laughs) if there's openings back and forth, uh, it makes sense that that there would be some movement. I I figured that was probably, probably the case. So tell me, what what is it that you like the most about your job, Austin? Is there, I mean, we we all have uh, things we like and things we don't like. I'm not going to ask you what you don't like about your job because <laughs> that wouldn't be fair. But uh, what is it you like most about your job? Uh, the people. I mean, the the folks in central staff are some of the most most talented and dedicated people um, I've met in my career at the court. Um, and you know, I feel good and accomplished throughout the day whenever I'm able to do something to empower them to do, you know, well on a case. Um, so, um, that feeling, you know, when they're succeeding, um, that's kind of gives me my personal, my personal satisfaction in my job. Yeah. You know, it sounds, um, maybe it sounds unrealistic to people, but everybody that I talk to at the court, uh, just sincerely says how much they enjoy the people that they work with and, you know, my, my experiences and everybody that I've dealt with at the second district has just been wonderful to work for. So, you know, it sounds insincere when I say it, like I'm trying to flatter the court, right? And, and, and you know, people say, well, Austin's just saying that because he works there. But boy, I mean, just across the board, um, that's what I hear is that people really enjoy uh, the folks that work at the court. And so I think it must be true. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody means it. Like I said, I've I've been there for eight years. And, you know, as soon as I you know, from very early on in my internship in 2012, um, I knew the court was where I wanted to be. Well, and you see a lot of the people who work at the court, um, you know, they, they either leave and they come back or they stay, you know, so clearly right. uh, the, the, the attorneys that work there uh, appear to be very happy with their jobs, which is great. It's a, it's a good way to, uh, it's a good way to be a lawyer. Well, let me ask you, um, so as appellate attorneys uh, like me who are submitting things to the court, um, are there any things off the top of your head that you could say that we should be doing to help make your job easier in central staff? Sure. Um, you know, the rules only require consultations on motions for extensions of time, but consulting on, you know, any motion is usually pretty beneficial. Um, you know, we have an obligation to allow you know, the opposing parties to respond to any motion, you know, so even something, you know, that you might think is not controversial or, you know, you know, doesn't, you know, might, there might not be some objection that you can think of Um, just having, you know, a certificate of consultation saying that you've reached out to the other side and that they don't object, you know, would, you know, makes things be, makes things get processed quicker Mm -hmm. um, because we don't have to hold it for a response. So, you know, motions to supplement the record, um, you know, those kind of routine procedural things, um, that, you know, aren't extensions of time consultation would be beneficial. Um, if you're filing something that is an emergency, um, double check to make sure all, you know, your, your ducks are in a row, so to speak. Um, you know, often those cases, those motions, um, can get held up because of issues with the fee, you know, lack of compliance with uh, the rules um, as like bookmarking and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Service issues. uh, Often we have to direct supplemental uh, service. Um, 
for some of those cases. And that is going to often prevent any sort of imme- uh, any sort of immediate action being taken on your filing if those uh, preliminary issues aren't taken care of. Mm. And so, you know, that's getting that stuff, you know, making sure that's done correctly on the front end is going to save the court's time, but probably also your time as well. Um, for extensions of time motions, um, file those before your, you know, before the deadline, before your time expires and state the grounds for them. You know, often we get requests for extensions that just say, I need 30 days. Um, and, and so that doesn't really give the judges much to go on as to why there's a, a need for extra time. Um, so even if it's just something very simple, you know, put that justification in the motion. Um, and then if you file an amended document to correct a minor issue in that amended document, go ahead and drop a footnote that just says, um, uh, says, you know, what was corrected or what the amendment did mm-hmm. just so we're able to distinguish, you know, kind of what the issue was and make sure that we're not missing something or that we can distinguish them on the docket when we look at both of them. Mm. Um, you know, that'll just kind of help us out on those little, uh, procedural. That's a, a little thing that probably saves you a lot of work <laughs> and a lot of time. Yeah. Well, Austin, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I, I, um, I think that, you know, sometimes, Although um, people perceive the court as this, you know, sort of uh, closed box that, you know, there's all this secret stuff going on, but it's really not a secret. And like you pointed out, I'm going to link in the show notes to the court's internal operating procedures. A lot of this stuff is is very uh, easy to determine, but, you know, it, it's just nice to have someone uh, with as much experience as you have to come on the show and, and talk a little bit about um you know, some of these things, it doesn't really matter to us, right? I mean, it doesn't really matter to me when I send something into the court, you know, what attorney and what department is dealing with it, but it's still nice to understand the process and to be able to explain it to clients and that sort of thing. So I, I really do appreciate your time. Sure. Happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks again, to Austin Rowe, for being my guest on the show. Remember, podcasts are never legal advice, and nothing that I say or my guests say should ever be interpreted as legal advice for any particular situation. But if you're a lawyer who needs the help of an appellate lawyer, I'm happy to try and help. And please consider using our sponsor, Court Surety Bond Agency, for your client's appellate bond needs. When you need a bond, you often need it quickly. CSBA's contact information is in the show notes. Please take a moment now, add it to your contact so that you're ready when your client needs a supersedious bond. The next episode will be out in two weeks. I hope that you will continue to download and listen. Thank you for considering this week's Issues on Appeal.